Hello, I'm Kyle Dyer, and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. This weekend is proving to be a lucky one for Colorado's capital city, with an economic boost of around 4 to $8 million just this weekend alone. Denver is hosting six March Madness basketball games. Let me introduce you to our team for tonight. Here on Colorado Inside Out, we have Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, Tyrone Glover, civil rights and criminal defense attorney here in Denver, as well as Amber McReynolds, former director of elections for the city and county of Denver and a leading expert on election administration and policy. And Chris Rourke, managing editor of Denver Business Journal. Thank you all for joining us. The game of politics is really at play in Colorado right now, not only with work being done in the legislature, but we have the Denver mayor's race and the new direction for the Colorado GOP. Patty, Dave Williams will now lead the Republican Party in Colorado for the next two years. And I think it's not going to be in a good direction for the Colorado Republican Party. We forget that at one point we actually had Colorado, uh, Colorado had Republican governors. We had Bill Owens. We had Republican senators. The Colorado Republican Party had reasonable people in the leadership, which we are not seeing now. By electing Dave Williams, let's go Brandon, Dave Williams, and I'm, I'm sorry you didn't put that under any of our names on tonight's crawl. Um, we elect, they elected the only person who can make Tina Peters look reasonable. It is, he's an election denier. He will not admit that the election was fair, which we have all accepted that Colorado has the gold standard for elections. There are plenty of reasonable Republicans in Colorado, but the problem becomes with this group leading the party, it will become harder for them to be elected, to win, to get primary nominations. And if there's a successful move to not keep open primaries, it's going to become harder still. The uh, GOP won't have another real shot at power in the state until 2026 when all four statewide offices become open because of term limits, and that's when Senator Hickenlooper faces her, his first re-election uh, bid. So, Tyrone, w what Williams does now during these next two terms will be very defining. Yeah, extremely defining. The, the Republican Party, the GOP, have really been going through in an identity crisis. And the pendulum has just been swinging back and forth between uh, you know, a, a march towards moderation and then right back to some of these more extremist Republicans. Williams has a lot of runway, a lot of time to maybe finally get this right. Uh, I'm not necessarily optimistic, but there'll be some real feedback over these next two terms, and maybe we'll see something much different at the end of all of it. And he's coming on board after bad losses for the party back in November. Right. We thought there was going to be the red wave. The red wave did not come. There's some feedback there. Um, he could you know, switch, switch gears now. Um, I'm not optimistic that that's going to happen, but maybe a few more L's and we'll start to see some adjustments. Amber, as Patty was saying, there was a time when the Republican Party was strong here in Colorado, but the numbers of people who are registered as Republicans seem to be going away now. Yeah, I mean, in Colorado, there's been a huge shift uh, in voters choosing to be unaffiliated. We've seen that not just not just GOP voters leaving the party to become unaffiliated, but we've actually seen it on both sides of the aisle. Growth has been tremendous. There's now 45% of the state is uh, is independent. They're politically independent. And until I think the Republican Party recognizes that that, that that shift has happened and also that democracy is an important issue for voters. Last year, a lot of polling was done nationally and democracy was a top issue for the first time for, for voters across the country, a 
of all political persuasions. And right now, they're still peddling conspiracies and, and disproven facts about the election process. And until there's a shift there, I don't think voters are going to uh, react nicely to, to the party if it continues down that path of embracing extremism. Chris, your take on this? Well, I think we're missing the bigger picture here, and there's a business of politics. While we're all focused on the drama, which there is quite a bit of drama with the GOP, we have to look at the fact that Dave Williams, up until this point, has served as a state lawmaker from El Paso County. That was a fairly easy seat for him to win. Now he has to lead a statewide party, and the business of politics is he has to raise money. We'll see if he's able to do that with some of the extreme positions that he's taken, with the division in the party. On the other side of uh, the aisle, the Democrats are getting ready to have a race. And, and you know, there's quite a competition there, too. Um, Howard Cho, Tim Kubik, and uh, Shad Mirab are all running. Some of them have portrayed themselves as grassroots Democrats. I know... Um, uh, Cho and Kubik have been involved in a lot of social issues. They've also volunteered within the state party leadership, so they have experience there. But, but Murup has uh, worked on John Hickenlooper's campaigns and also Jared Pollard's campaigns. And those two candidates know that it takes money to win office. And so Murup, you know, knows a little bit more about the business of politics. So we'll watch that race as well in a couple of weeks. And you're talking about the Colorado Democratic Party chair. Yes. Because Morgan Carroll is uh, stepping aside after six years. Keeping with talk of candidates and parties and the future, let's talk about the Denver mayor's race. Candidate Kwame Spearman, the first to bow out. This is the first time since 2011 there won't be an incumbent seeking re-election for Denver's top job, with Mayor Hancock term-limited and ending three terms in office. Tyrone, the ballots are now out. The ballots are out, and it seems like, I mean, well, we know, after countless debates, forums, meet and greets, there still is not a clear front-runner. Uh, I think the, the most that folks are topping out at these days is around 5%. Uh, we'll see what happens. The TV ads haven't really got up and running, um, but I think what folks in Denver are really looking for are mayor that's going to come forward and be very strong on solutions, uh, solutions to the housing crisis, uh, to unhoused folks, and, and, and getting them some form of shelter and guns as well. Those are really some big leading issues, and we'll see who eventually breaks away from the pack. You're not seeing anyone breaking away just yet? Not yet, but, you know, I haven't gotten all of those flyers on my doorstep and I haven't been seeing the TV ads uh, inundating my, my nightly uh, TV primetime watching. So I think once those start to, to, to come, we'll start to see some clear leaders. Yeah, there are only like a handful of ads. I'm curious if some of the other candidates will get out there with the ads. Yeah. Amber, I'm very curious because uh, you have used to run elections for the city and county of Denver. What is your take on this this season? Well, I think, first off, we have a very large pool of candidates, and uh, one of the voting reforms that I think Denver could certainly benefit from on this to save taxpayer money, but also make sure that the will of the voters is reflected and voters have choice in the process is to, is to institute ranked choice voting. Minneapolis has had this, New York City did it, San Francisco has a number of cities, now Seattle and Portland have also passed this initiative. And the goal there is to make sure that all voices and all choices are heard in the process. And when you have a large field, a lot of times, you know, people are like, oh, I like this person, but I also like this person. Maybe I like this 
person's second best. And a, a model like ranked choice voting can save taxpayers money by consolidating the race. Uh, and, and, and that often produces a, a far greater um, outcome for, that's representative of the people of Denver. I don't know if you saw the Nine News debate this week. That was a question asked of the, the candidates, like who among you would support it? And there was a fair number of people, wasn't it, that supported their hand for ranked choice voting? Yeah, we'll yeah it's certainly c candidates that have used it in, in these other cities love it because, number one, it saves them campaign money time because you're, you have two campaigns essentially to run when you have a runoff. Uh, but also it's, it's a more positive way of politics because... You're, you're also encouraging people to choose you second or choose you third if, they're, if you're not their first choice. And Chris, there is one Republican, and we haven't had a Republican mayor in Denver since 1963. Uh, do you think Andy Rougeau is going to buck this trend and make a splash? No. Did you want me to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> I think I said this on the last time I was here, we talked about Andy Rougeau. Look, he's a traditional Republican. I actually caught one of his commercials. It's very traditional messaging, Republican messaging. We're talking about the city of Denver, where 10% of the uh, registered voters are Republicans. Sure, he could sure up that base and maybe add on to that, but you're also competing with Kelly Bruff, which a lot of Republicans are supporting her. So he's done a good job of putting money in, and he's gotten a major, you know, media, uh, major market media buy. Um, I just don't see him making the runoff. That said, there have been some people that have been concerned that their candidates haven't made it to every debate. I would say that's a moot point at this, at this juncture. Um, unless candidates have enough money for a major market media buy, it doesn't look good for them. We'll see how Rougeau does. Like you say again, the business of politics, right? Yes. It's a business too, yeah. Patty, your thoughts so far on this race, how well, it's transpiring? Uh, just to go off Andy, he was one of the few people during that Nine News debate who said he would serve three terms if he could. Mm -hmm. Everyone else actually got, I think, where the electorate is, which is we are tired of three-term mayors. Money is not as important in Denver, in a municipal race, as actually having the right message and a message that catches fire with people. What we're seeing with the 5% is that no one has a message or a persona that has caught fire yet with the voters. We might still see people identify themselves a little more strongly, but you're not seeing people who are enamored of Hickenlooper or of Pena back in 1983, who was such a dark horse candidate and basically won it with a great message and lawn signs. And with lawn signs and social media, you can still get around having to put up big, having to put out big money. You need a good message, though, and we haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. March is Women's History Month, so as we wonder if we could have our first woman mayor in Denver, we also must look back on a woman who really trailblazed in Congress for more than two decades. This week, we lost Pat Schroeder. Amber, you have co-written a book on women's right to vote, and you've talked about challenges women have faced in American history. Here is a woman who was challenged by men and still had such an amazing career and spoke for so many. That's right, and um, her legacy will not be forgotten anytime soon, um, and she certainly paved the way for many generations to come on her advocacy and her and her support for uh, expanding women's access. But the fact of the matter is, progress has been slow and it's been uneven. And uh, right now, the United States ranks 71st in the world, uh, tied with Trinidad and behind Iraq in women's representation. We're 71st in the world. 
Um, and uh, Colorado as a state is 19th on the list of all states uh, in terms of, of represent women's rankings on women's representation. And so we have a lot of work to do. Uh, those countries that all rank before us, uh, they have systems in place like ranked choice voting, like proportional representation, like money and politics reform. So there's a number of, of system reforms that we should, certainly should be looking at to further advance and expand women's representation and women's political power. 71st. Wow. 71st in the world. Oh, Chris. Well, I do think there has been progress in Colorado. And, you know, if you look at 87% of the companies within the state have women on their boards. The Fortune 1000 companies all headquartered in Colorado all have women on their boards. Um, we saw, in fact, the Denver Business Journal just reported this week that at a time in 2022 when venture capital was dropping, it was women who were raising money for their companies. Um, our congressional delegation is split 50-50 women, women and men. We also have um, our legislature uh, is 50% women. Two out of five of the statewide offices are held by women. There is work that needs to be done. In fact, uh, it's only 40% of women in countywide offices in the state that hold office, so there's room for growth there. But I would also say that Colorado had an opportunity to elect a woman governor in 2022, chose not to. Patty, I know that you've, you knew Pat for Schroeder for so long. Well, Pat had been in, in office for five years, I think, when we started Westward. Mm -hmm. And it's not just enough to be a woman politician. How about being a great politician in general? And Pat Schroeder was so good. She was good on the national sphere, first woman on the Armed Forces Committee. And she, was, she had to share a chair with the first black on, because the chairman wouldn't give them two seats. I mean, we forget what it was like in the 70s when she went into this good old boys network. She fought smart and hard. She was fierce and she was funny in Washington. And we can't forget what a good job she did here in, here in Denver. She hired a great staff. You knew if you had a problem, people went to Pat Schroeder's office and those staffers took care of you. You know, when we did the best of Denver, she sent a smiley note to every winner. You remember Pat Schroeder was always doing the smiley notes. She was funny. She talked about, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but she had a uterus and a brain and right. she could use both. She really led the way and I wish half of our politicians were as smart and as connected and as commonsensical as she was and we would have a better delegation. We trade Pat Schroeder for Lauren Boebert, that's not a fair exchange. She was groundbreaking and someone we should celebrate for decades to come. Mm -hmm. Tyrone, is the only guy here tonight. Your thoughts? Well, I would echo Patty. She's an inspiration to us all. Uh, when I moved out to Colorado a couple decades ago, there was just you know, something about this state, something about the city of Denver. Um, it, it, there was a can-do attitude. There was this sense that you ha could have a place here um, if you were willing to, to, to do the work. Um, and learning about great Coloradans like Pat Schroeder, who fought the good fight, who led boldly, um, it's no surprise that, you know, I felt that sort of energy and her legacy in the state. I'm wondering who is out there now that might be able to follow the same kind of path, you know? A lot of the women who are serving today are doing so because of what she did and what she right. set forward. 
All right, now let's talk about what's going on over at the state capitol. It has been a busy, busy time. We are halfway through this session. Uh, around 475 items have been introduced so far. Chris, the DBJ, wrote a lot about the job training scholarship bill that was introduced this week. Yeah, uh, in fact, there are two bills that are going to be introduced, bipartisan bills. The governor announced it in a press conference this week. Um, one bill is going to implement a zero-cost training program. They're going to invest $39 million in it, and it's going to impact about 20,000 Coloradans. It's going to provide training in, you know, areas such as education and firefighting and uh, forest service work, areas that have been really challenged with the labor shortage. Another bill is going to provide $1,500 in scholarship money, and it's not just for higher education. It's for any kind of continuing education, you know, after high school. I think what I really liked about this piece of legislation was it's truly bipartisan. You know, a lot of times we talk about bipartisan bills going in and it's perhaps one party pushing something and they get one person from the other side of the aisle to sign on and they call it bipartisan. But here you had a press conference where Jared Polis was announcing this up front and he was flanked by um, Representative Julie McCluskey and then Senator Paul Undine. It was quite a display of where you have, you know, some major Republican names and Democrat names standing together to bring forth this, these bills. That is good to see, isn't yeah. it? Patty, uh, we saw at the beginning of the week a lot of action on some of the gun violence prevention bills. Well, I'm a little nervous to talk about guns because when we did it last week, we apparently inspired a filibuster that went very, very late and made everything we had said uh, obsolete. So. Let me say, we're looking at the anniversary of the Boulder King super shootings next week on March 22nd. We still need to make changes. So we're not hearing much about the assault um, proposal, the ban on assault weapons proposal, but we are seeing progress on the limiting, raising the age you have to have to buy a gun. We're looking at a longer waiting period to buy a gun. And we're definitely looking at an expansion of red flag laws and how to figure out what is going to set off these troubled people and can we stop them before we see another mass tragedy, another domestic violence incident? Just where can, what can we do to stop it? And we need to find out. Mm -hmm. uh, Tyrone, the robust discussions we've been waiting for this session are all here. And there are some now talking, talking about defense and safety and the way we treat some people who are accused of crimes. Certainly, and one of the bills that I'm uh, following closely as a civil rights and criminal defense lawyer is the police interrogation bill. Um, just passed the House, it should be introduced in the Senate soon, uh, but similar to some of the legislation that's led up to it, it's seeking to uh, introduce uh, more integrity to law enforcement and law enforcement tactics. Uh, I cut my teeth as a juvenile public defender, and the juvenile system of justice here in Colorado is not supposed to be so much punitive as it is to be rehabilitative. And so really looking at our investigative practices, making sure that there is both trust and truth between the community and law enforcement, because many of those parents, um, when a child gets in trouble, they're looking to probation officers, to judges, to GALs, and to law enforcement for some guidance to get their loved one back on the right track. We need trust, we need truth, uh, we need to look at people's um, 
backgrounds and where they come from and sort of some of the lessons and things that they've experienced um, with law enforcement. Uh, there is a, a lens that they are proposing where you even look at this as like a reasonable black child. It's not like a reasonable, you know, any child off of the street. So it's a really, I think, uh, interesting bill that's going to introduce even more integrity into law enforcement, law enforcement tactics, and hopefully does well in the Senate. Let me ask you, Amber, also, what else are you watching in the legislature right now? Well, so first, you know, as an unaffiliated um, voter. I actually love seeing the bipartisanship and the bills that, you know, that do prioritize Coloradans, prioritize solutions, prioritize uh, addressing the challenges before us, whether that's on safety or education or health care, whatever that might be. So it's great to see that energy in Colorado because that's not the case in a lot of parts of the country um, where I work. One of the other issues that, um, that I think is still important, we're running out of time to do it, but uh, one of the state senators, so Jeff Bridges, was looking at this issue, which is uh, ranked choice voting for presidential primaries. And with Colorado's bill and Colorado's law now, we have, an, we have a presidential primary process. We have a large pool of candidates, like we did in 2020. Might see that again. We saw it in 2016 as well, before we had the open primary. But when you have a large pool and you're on the calendar where we are, candidates drop out and voters choose candidates and turn their ballot in and then they lose their, their ability to vote basically because their ballot gets um, not counted in that process. So I think ranked choice voting for the presidential primary would be an immense improvement to Colorado's model. It'd be great to see that get done this year. I remember you saying that a couple months ago that you expected to be introduced. Why hasn't it been introduced yet? There's, there's some challenges with the county clerks and with the Secretary of State, and they were concerned about timing. Um, but the good thing is our system here actually is RCV ready. There would need to be some modifications to how results get reported. Uh, so it seems to be that it's more of a timing concern by uh, some of the administrator level. All right, now it's time to kick off our lightning round for this week when our panelists talk about the good and the bad that transpired during the week. We're starting with the bad, finishing with the good, and we're starting with Patty. Well, as we've seen in the depositions for the Dominion lawsuit against Fox, it's really important to be able to get access to that information, which is why it's disgraceful. The developers of the Park Hill Golf Course are in court to try to seal depositions in a lawsuit that's been filed against them by the Sisters of Color who rented space in the Park Hill Golf Course. We have a right to see what's in those depositions, especially before the election. Hmm. Tyrone. I'm going to go with the weather. It was 70 yesterday. It's snowing today. Uh, the folks at home can't see, but I hobbled in here on crutches, so my ski snowboard season is over. I'm ready to sit in the park with a nice cold drink. I think we all are. Thank you for coming in on crutches. <laughs> we really appreciate it. He was doing an amazing trick on his snowboard when this happened, by the way. Right? Yeah, fabulous <laughs> snowboarder he is. What kind of set you off that wasn't great to see this week, Amber? Um, well, I actually, so I'm going to say, uh, so I drive my kids around for lots of sports activities, and I take a number of kids along with. So what I have noticed over the last probably couple months is drivers are particularly aggressive around uh, rush hour or after, and I guess I just want to encourage people to be considerate, especially of those of us driving kids around uh, all over the city for lots of activities, to be um, cautious and thoughtful and 
not as aggressive because there's lots of kids on the roads in these cars and it's really um, frankly abhorrent to kind of see some of these drivers act the way they do. Uh, the red so, light runners, I feel like it's every dangerous. Light, there's a red light runner, right? Yep. All right, Chris. All right, since Tyrone took the weather, I'm going to take the time change. Okay. <laughs> because I've been a half a beat behind all week. I told my boss that today, and I said, I hope you haven't noticed. But I know that there's, you know, efforts underway nationally to just keep the time the same. I would be all for that. My body doesn't adjust as well as it used to when I was younger. That said, I do appreciate an hour extra sunlight right now to walk my dog when I get home from work. So yes. the time change was yes. bad. Between the two, the time change and the weather. It's been a week, right? Yeah. It's been a week. But there's been some good stuff as well this week, right, Patty? There is. So this is a story I followed for a long time. When you're trying to right a wrong, like the Sand Creek Massacre and the people who are involved in allowing it to happen, you should right the wrong, but you should get it right. And at the last second last week, the feds decided to postpone renaming Mount Evans uh, because the, the Cheyenne, the Northern Cheyenne, who are the primary victims of the Sand Creek Massacre, object to the name they've chosen. And you really need to consult the descendants, the people who truly suffered, before you put on a white man's name. Mm -hmm. Tyrone. I have a Women's History Month uh, celebration. Uh, our bar associations uh, this week celebrated our black women judges. Um, in 2019, uh, there was a deficiency of diverse judges on our bench, and there was really kind of a call to the legal community to essentially storm the bench. And it was black women lawyers in Colorado who answered that call. And from 2019 forward, I think 12 of the 15 sitting black women judges were appointed. So they uh, answered that call. It was a monumental effort, uh, so much so we got uh, national recognition from uh, Essence magazine. So I I'm celebrating them today. That's great. Thanks for, sh thanks for sharing. That's wonderful. Amber. Uh, I'd say Denver ballots being out is, um, uh, is mine this week. Um, I'd encourage everyone to get their ballots in as soon as possible. That helps the election office. Um, and, um, and also let's get, get a nice high turnout for Denver's, Denver's mail, mail ballot election coming up for, for mayor. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to pick the 35 bison that were returned to tribal nations this week, but I thought Patty would take that. So I'm not going to use that. But I learned before this show that Amber and I are both alumna of the University of Illinois in Champaign. And in a sea of CU you know, buffs here in Colorado, it's so nice to find a fellow alumni. There you Yay. go. You're a buff. You're a buff. OK. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for coming. We appreciate it. And thank you all for watching at home as well. We definitely appreciate you being involved every week in our conversations. You can always catch the show or share it with a friend anytime by going to pbs12.org. And Denverites, our site is a great place to visit to get to know the mayoral candidates through our Humanize series, where you're going to discover the personal sides of the people who are running for mayor. It's a great insight that maybe you're not getting in a debate. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. I'm Kyle Dyer. Again, thanks for watching. I'll see you next week right here on PBS 12.